so glad that you could be here with us and everyone joining us online. As you heard, my name is Muzeu Mecha. Um, I serve as one of the deacons in the social justice uh, department. Um, I also uh, supply, my husband and I supply uh, our Sunday school to make sure that it has, you know, enough kids to keep running. Um, if you don't know what that means, just talk to someone who laughed out real loud and you'll understand what that means. Um, we have been on a journey together just looking at uh, emotional health or at a mental illness. Um, and we've done two weeks already. And today we are in the third installment um, of our emotional, okay, that's the topic for today, emotional health. But we're in the third week of our mental health series. And just in case you haven't been with us the last two weeks, uh, we started off in week one uh, by really trying to understand ourselves. And Cephas uh, preached a sermon um, where he helped us understand who we are um, in terms of how we are created by God to find our identity, our purpose, and our security in him. And we also looked at the fact that we are not just one-dimensional beings, but we are physical, spiritual, moral, social, relational, and emotional beings living in a world that's affected by sin and suffering. And all these things have a bearing on our mental health. The second week, um, Anna Lauren uh, shared a, a sermon on healing um, trauma from our past. And she sent the point home that we cannot heal the trauma from our past unless we have a correct view of God. We are truly honest with ourselves and we are living in a healthy and gospel-centered community. And so today we are going to be looking at our emotional health, which is really an important component of our well-being, but one that um, maybe doesn't quite get the attention that it deserves. Now the thing is, we all have our coping mechanisms, and by the way, there's none of us that exe that's exempt from emotions. I know we like to say that you know men are not emotional, men don't have emotions, but actually that's, that's actually incorrect because they wouldn't be human if they didn't have emotions because our emotions are actually a component of who we are as human beings, whether that be male or female. And so just the fact that we don't express the emotions or talk about them or they are never seen doesn't mean that we don't have them. We all have emotions. But the thing, the reason that, you know, emotional health becomes an issue that we need to talk about um, is because I doubt that there's someone here today that's really struggling with joy. Like there's just so much joy in your life that it hurts. Do we have any such person here? Or like your, your life is just so full of love, you don't know what to do, it's killing you, you just want it over and done with. Is that someone here with us? Or like the peace in your life has you so chilled and bored, you're just looking for a storm somewhere. Do we have anyone like that here today? I doubt it. The reason that our emotional health becomes something that we actually need to pay attention to is because life has been lifing. Just turn to your neighbor and look at them and see life is lifing. And life, life just has a way of doing what? Lifing. Of lifing. Remember this as we go about um, the sermon for today, that life just has a way of doing what? Lifing. We find ourselves in situations, um, and you know, the nature of the situations that we find ourselves in really range from 
things that people have done to us. We've experienced injustice and fairness. We've experienced rejection and hatred and just situations that, you know, there's nothing that we did to deserve any of this. So they, they are just outside of our control because it's stuff that other people have done towards us. But some things, it's just life, you know, it's just you live life long enough, you find yourself in situations where you will experience pain, brokenness, hurt, and your emotions are gonna get messed up with somewhere in the journey of life. Sometimes the reason our emotional health becomes a problem is because we are the cause of the pain and the brokenness that hap that's happening in our lives. We've done things or we've put ourselves in situations where, you know what? Life is lifing because of the choices that we have made. Another reason why our emotions, you know, tend to need our attention is because of sin. And sometimes we're just dealing with the effects of sin, the shame, the guilt, the fear, the feelings of unworthiness is simply because we have walked in a way that is contrary to the life and the path that God would have us do. And the natural reaction to that is that there's the death that comes as a result of sin and how we experience that death, part of it is shows up in our emotions. We feel guilt that we don't know what to do with. We feel pain, we feel just this sense of sorrow and there's just a brokenness that comes as a result of that. Now, I'm, I'm going to name a few, some emotions that, you know, some of us could be experiencing this morning or some that maybe it's just a one time something's happened and it's triggered this one emotion. For some of us, it could be just a journey that we've walked where this emotion has just been a constant unwanted friend that just won't leave us. And if I was to ask us this morning to, you know, name what those emotions are, I suspect that these are some of the emotions that we'd hear this morning. I feel empty, there's just nothing there. I feel inadequate, like I'm just not good enough. I feel helpless, I've reached the end of my road. I'm afraid, I'm guilty, I'm lonely, depressed, overwhelmed. I just feel this deep resentful towards people and life. I feel like a failure, I feel sad, angry, frustrated, disappointed, hopeless, confused. I just feel rage inside of me. I feel jealous, I'm discouraged. And here is one that I think if anyone has asked me the last few weeks, how are you? I'm just tired. And this one is not spelled T-I-R-E-D. It is spelled T-A-Y-A-D. It's just tired, I'm tired. Now, I, I think it's important for me to start here by saying I've had conversations with a few people you know, over and over again once you've I've preached or I've sung with the music team or up here praying for people. And I've had people look up to me and say, wow, your life seems so perfect. Like you have it so well together. Five happy kids. You seem to be managing that very well. Guys, you only see me on a Sunday morning, so I'll let you have that. Um, you just seem happy, young, and enjoying life. Like, what could possibly be going wrong with your life, right? And can I just give you a little window into, like, just the last month, right? So the last month, um, there's been... Um, we have a cousin uh, 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 who is like a younger brother to us who's been in hospital, and today marks uh, 30, is it 30 days being in ICU. 
30 days of him being in ICU, young guy at the peak of his life. And that has just had heavy emotional weight on not just myself, but on us as a family, and even um, his brother, I mean his sisters, his mom and dad. And you can just imagine what the weight of that looks like. It's been the daily visits to the hospital. And imagine, I'm not like, I'm not direct brother, I'm not a sister, I'm not his mother. So you can imagine what that weight looks like on those that are, you know, on the inner circle of his life. And that's been hard. In the same month, um, this, is, this has been an ongoing thing, but in this month, just this last week, I think it was, no, it was actually, yes, no, Friday, uh, we went for what we do, a routine um, clinical checkup for one of our sons who has a seizure condition. Now, if you've been here at One Tribe long enough, you know that I've shared the story of another son who had a seizure condition for like seven years of his life, and that was crazy. And just when we thought, you know, breathe, another son was diagnosed with a seizure condition. And we were at the hospital this last week. And the doctor, you know, you, you know what to expect, you know what to ask. But this visit was like, there were two specific things that we sort of, you know, they were ongoing, but we didn't know what they were. We didn't really think they were connected to the seizures. And this Friday, the doctor drops a bombshell and says, oh, actually, that's yet another sign that the seizures are not yet quite under control. What does that mean? It, more medication. The, um, he's been on this for like two years now, and it's, you know, lots of tablets. I think he takes up to six to eight tablets every single day. He's nine. And, and that's just like the big things. I haven't told you about the emotional outbursts that the same child has struggled with because of, you know, the seizures. And one of those symptoms that we were discussing with the doctor yesterday was the mood swings that he experiences and just this complete inability um, to be on top of his emotions and to have a happy day. And so as I bring this sermon to us today, actually I'm preaching to myself. So it's, I, I don't know whether there's a point for anyone else out here. I hope there is, but even if, if there's not, uh, God might, might just have brought you to be the audience that listens as I speak to myself. So welcome. Now, as I've said, um, the reason that we need to address this emotional health aspect of our lives is because life has been lifing. And regardless of the choices or the, the decisions that we make in terms of how we deal with our emotions, whether we are those that you know, suppress those feelings, suppress those emotions, or those that act out of our emotions, um, regardless of where it is that we fall on that, the fact is that we have been created to feel. God created us to feel. It is core to who we are as image bearers of God. It's core to how God has created us. To feel is human. This is a quote that I came across. To feel is human. To minimize or deny, or deny what we feel is a distortion of what it means to be the image bearers of God. To the degree that we are unable to acknowledge, express, and deal with our emotions, we remain impaired in our ability to love God, to love others, and ourselves well. And so my hope this morning is that as we look at emotional health, we'll come to a place where actually we are able to acknowledge our emotions for what they are, and we're going to see from an example of a psalm that we are going to read together what that journey could look like. But my hope is that by the time we come to the end of our, our time together this morning, that we'll be better placed 
to know and love our God better, to know and love others, and to also love ourselves well. Sean, I'm going to throw a first one on you uh, since I know you have a mic. Could you please turn to Psalm 42 and 43, and I'll ask you to read that for us. But there are three ways that God speaks to us through our feelings. And one of those is that God uses our feelings to alert us to things, situations that are happening around us. Now, could you imagine um, that, let's assume that we didn't have any feelings such that if you, know, you got hurt, it meant absolutely nothing. Your loved one got hurt, it meant absolutely nothing. An injustice was done towards you, but you had no way of knowing or even acknowledging that that thing has happened. So God has given us feelings to alert us to something, to things that are happening around us. But our feelings are also something that God uses to root us in our humanity. We would not really be human if we didn't have our feelings. We'd just be like rocks because we wouldn't be able to feel anything. But also God speaks through our feelings by using them to draw us to himself. God allows us to feel these things, but he also wants us to move through our feelings. And so we are going to see from Psalm 42 and 43 um, just how he works through his feelings and emotions and draw some lessons from there that we can apply in our own lives. Sean. Psalm 42. <clears throat> As the deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night. While they say to me all the day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul. How I would go with the throng and lead them in the procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude keeping festival. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God. For I shall praise him again, my salvation and my God. But my soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I remember you from the land of Jordan and of Hermon, from Mount Mazar, deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls. All your breakers and your waves have gone over me. By day the Lord commands his steadfast love, and at night a song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy, as with a deadly wound in my bones? My adversaries taunt me, while they say to me all the day long, where is your God? Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. Psalm 43. Vindicate me, O God, and defend my cause against an ungodly people. From the deceitful and unjust man, deliver me. For you are the God in whom I take refuge. Why have you rejected me? Why do I go about mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? Send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy hill and to your dwelling. Then I will go to the altar of God. To God, my exceeding joy. And I will praise you with the lyre, O God, my God. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, 
for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that we can come to you even concerning our emotional health. And we thank you that we already know that you're here with us. Would you come and speak and meet with each of us, Lord, where we need you? In Jesus' name, amen. So I'll just jump right into it. And the first point that you're going to look at from that first verse of Psalm 42 um, is that I'm, I'm titling it, um, or that point is default settings. Now, this, the psalmist in this case is about to have an emotional outburst, you know, throughout Psalm 42 and 43 as he talks about how downcast he is and how his tears has been his food. But it's interesting that he actually starts this psalm by declaring his deep need and desire for God. He starts by saying that as the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul, my soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with, I, my, with my God? His default setting is first and foremost to acknowledge his deep need and desire for his God. He knows he's hurting, he knows there's stuff going on that's unpleasant, but he knows that even though his soul is looking downwards because he's downcast, he knows that his heart's posture is positioned towards God. And so my question to us this morning is this. When you consider the storms of life and the things that have, you know, hit you hard and are affecting your emotional well-being, what's your default setting? What's the first place that you go to when you're faced with the troubles of this world? Where do you run when faced with circumstances that rock your emotional well-being? Do you run you know, to the fact that, you know, in our family, this is just how we are. We are angry. We, you know, we, we just go out in outbursts. We just say what comes to mind first. Do we run to what we know in terms of the wisdom of the doctors, for example, the wisdom of the earth, our resources, our abilities, our capabilities? But I want to put to us today that it actually does matter what our default setting is. It matters where we run first. And like the psalmist, my challenge to us, and indeed even to myself, is to ask myself this morning, what's my default setting? What things have I placed in the place of God that give me a sense of false hope because I keep running back to those things without recognizing that actually my deep need and desire first and foremost should be for God? The next thing that you see the psalmist do is that he actually gets real with God he doesn't beat about the bush about what he's feeling. He pours out his emotions exactly as they are. He says it as it is. And he uses certain words that tell you actually there's a problem. And I'm just going to read some of the verses that speak to, you know, just the way he pours out his heart. In verse 3 to 5, he says, My tears have been my food day and night, while people say to me all day long, Where is your God? If this was me, that line, where is your God? I'm like, forget people saying sometimes, even I sometimes I'm wondering, where is my God? You know, my tears have been my food day and night. That sounds like I have cried and cried and cried and then cried some more. Verse five, he says, why my soul are you downcast? Why are you so disturbed within me? Why have you forgotten me? Verse nine. Why must I go on mourning, oppressed by the enemy, 
My bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, where is your God? Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why are you so disturbed within me? Verse, in 43, verse 2, he says, Why have you rejected me? Why must I go on about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? Why, my soul, are you so downcast? Why so disturbed within me? The psalmist gets real about what's going on. And if you notice here, he keeps repeating the same thing over and over again. He's not afraid to bring these feelings to God and keep repeating himself and saying, Hey, it hurts. I feel forgotten, I'm mourning, I'm oppressed, I'm downcast, I'm disturbed. And when I was thinking just about um, when he's talking about, you know, people asking, where is your God? Uh, your God surely must have forgotten you. It took me back to, you know, those years when our firstborn son had this seizure condition. And this one time uh, when I think he was at the worst of it, had had a near a death experience. And someone walked up to me and said, you know, if you had... If your faith was strong enough, your son would be cured. And in that moment, they were like, yeah, it's like, where is, where is your faith? Where is your God? Why, why are you suffering here with depression, with anxiety, with sickness? How can you be so rejected? Like, where is your God? And sometimes it's the people around us who ask us questions like that. Sometimes it's our own doubt because, of course, the enemy is also at work and he's planting those seeds of doubt and he's just trying to amplify all these feelings and emotions that we are carrying. But the thing I like about the psalmist, and you'll see this as a trend as you read through the psalms where there's just this sense of, hey God, where are you? Is that there's no fear in bringing our emotions to God. There's no fear, there's no shame in naming those emotions for what they really are. And I think we can safely say that the reason the psalmist is able to clearly just state what it is he's feeling is not because he's mastered the art of suppressing his emotions. If his, if his emotions had been suppressed, then there's no way he would have you know, the presence of mind to accurately describe what it is he's feeling and to keep repeating it over and over again. And so maybe for someone this morning here, the answer may, may not even be in trying to name it. You probably just need to sit and actually feel what that emotion is saying to you this morning. Because you will not be able to accurately bring it before God truthfully and honestly if you don't even know what it is that you're struggling with because you've suppressed it so deep that it's, it's struggling to find a voice. It's struggling to come out so that it can be named. But the next thing that we need to do, like the psalmist, is to actually just name it for what it is. I'm carrying shame, God, because of the things that I've been through. I'm disturbed, I'm broken because relationships have made a mess of the relationships. I mean, I'm, I'm in distress because my marriage is falling apart and I don't know what to do. My child is lost and it hurts me, it pains me deeply that we need to have the confidence to feel the emotions, to name them, and to just allow ourselves to process these emotions and see what it is that they are saying to us. Because it's only then that we can confidently, truthfully, and honestly bring them before this God who cares and is interested in dealing with our emotions. But it's interesting that in the midst of uh, the psalmist's lament in verse uh, 4 of chapter 42, he has this moment in between his lament where he, he has a flashback where he says, you know, I remember when I used to go with the multitude leading the procession to the house of God with shouts of joy and thanksgiving among the festival throng. 
And I remember, I remember a time when, you know, my son was fine. When, you know, between the ages of one to five, when he had no seizures, he was the happiest and most playful child. I remember. I remember like the psalmist when life was okay. You know, those moments of life, because life is not always bad, guys. So I'm not, I'm not here trying to say that because we are dealing with emotions like everything is bad all the time. It's not, right? And that's why the psalmist has this moment in between there where he's actually able to reflect and say, oh, I remember when I could go to the house of God. And it's not like in that moment he's forgotten. It's actually part of his lament because he's saying, I remember what that looks like. And this present reality is actually a reminder and a sign that actually things are not well. Because I'm not able to go back to the house of God. A reminder, God, that things are not well. I would so desire to be back in that place where I can be in your presence. Another acknowledgement yet that things are not right. And so yet again, with confidence, we need to be able to bring our hearts, our pain, our emotional distress to God. Let me jump into the New Testament and borrow an example again, just on how to bring these emotions to God from Jesus himself. So I know someone here is thinking, but he's Jesus, right? So he surely knew what to do with his emotions, right? But then again, he's Jesus, he's God, but he had emotions and he battled with emotions that I suspect some of us will relate to this morning. Matthew 26 verse 36 says that, then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane and he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. Now, if you're not very familiar with this story, this is the part where Jesus is about to go to the cross. He can see, he knows fully what's coming ahead of him. He knows that he's about to bear on himself the full weight of the sins of the world. He knows it's gonna hurt. He knows he's gonna die. And he knows that he has to do it. There's no escaping from this. And this is what he says. Sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and two of the sons of Zebedee along with him and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. And he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, Father, if it's possible, please take this cup away from me. Yet not my will, but your will be done. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for even one hour? He asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away and second time and prayed, my father, if it's possible at all for this cup to be taken away from me, if it's not possible, sorry, for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. When he came back again and found them sleeping because their eyes were so heavy, he left them and went away once more and prayed a third time, saying the same thing. Do we see a trend here between how the psalmist deals with his emotion and how we see Jesus in this place of deep pain and anguish deals with his emotions? Jesus is open with his father. He's God. He's able in that moment to use all his power, his might to, you know, end the pain and the anguish that he's feeling. But what does he do? He instead takes his honest, raw feelings to his, to God the Father and says, hey, take this cup away from me. This cup is heavy. Must I drink from this cup? 
He says that he's overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Maybe there was a pun intended there. He knew he was going to die. But then again, we see at the end of that portion of scripture that he goes back to pray and he keeps saying the same thing back to God. And so I think I'm trying to say here that God is not offended by our acknowledgement of the pain and the burdens that we carry. He's not even tired of hearing us go back over and over again and saying, hey, God, I'm overwhelmed. It hurts. God wants us to bring to him our feelings, our pains, and everything that is, you know, disturbing us on an emotional level. And so my question to us this morning is this. What's the emotion that's causing you pain and problems right now? Would you dare to acknowledge it before God? Would you dare to name it, to put a word to it? Would you dare to describe that emotion? Would you dare to sit with it long enough to process it, to feel the weight of it so that you're able to fully and truly bring it to God the Father? Would you listen to how your body is carrying this emotion? Because it shows, it, you feel it in your body as well, right? Could it be that the way your shoulders have shrugged and just your demeanor is because you're carrying this weight by yourself, not knowing that there's a father who is willing to hear, to take on your emotional pain. Remember, what is not acknowledged, processed, and healed as we learned last week bleeds out into the rest of our lives. And so the more we suppress, deny, and refuse to acknowledge our emotions before this God that loves us, the more our lives continue to be, you know, just the spaces that we bleed in. We bleed into our relationships, we bleed in our workplaces, we bleed even in, in how we see ourselves and carry ourselves in this life. And so I say to us this morning, bring your feelings, your emotions to God. He's not offended by them, he's not terrified by them, he knows and is waiting for you to put them in his hands. The other thing that we see uh, in the, from the story of Jesus is that Jesus actually took some friends with him up to the mountain to pray. Now, I know they fell asleep and want, you know, exactly the best model for what friendship needs to look like. But Jesus, knowing this, because he knew them, they were his people, he knew his disciples, he still, he still took them along this journey. And there's something there to be said that if the Son of God, knowing that he was going to the deepest, darkest place of his life, knew enough to take a community of friends with him. Now, what about you and I? What about you and I who are, you know, living here on earth? We are human beings, we don't have, you know, we are not God, we are not, we are not all powerful, we are not all knowing, we are not all sufficient in and of ourselves. So how much more do we need a community of people around us, trusted friends that can walk this journey of life with us. And so yet again, I ask us this morning, who are you taking with you to that place of deep emotional pain? Is it a place that you're in, dying by yourself, drowning, getting overwhelmed by yourself, and yet God has graciously given us the gift of friendship and relationships around us, people who he's equipped to be able to walk this journey with us? And so I pray that we would be those that refuse to die alone and refuse to die in silence, but that we move towards the relationships that God has brought us. Or maybe you're that friend that needs to be that person that is moving towards a friend who's hurting this morning. 
I pray that God would give you discernment and wisdom and just the capacity to be able to move towards a friend and be that friend for them. The third thing that we see from the example of the psalmist is that he takes time to remember the God who cares. So he just doesn't spend the entire psalm talking about how discouraged and disheartened he is, but he actually takes time within that lament to also speak to himself and remind himself of who his God is. In verse 5, we see him saying to himself after he says, why are you so downcast, O oh my soul? He actually answers his own question and says, hey, put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. My soul is downcast within me. Therefore, I will remember you from the land of the Jordan, the heights of Hermon from Mount Mizar. Deep calls to deep in the roar of the waterfalls. All your waves and breakers have swept over me. By day, the Lord directs his love. At night, his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. And as you look at Psalm 42 and 43, here are some of the things that you'll hear the psalmist declare um, confidently about who his God is. He says, he is, and I will just say them as though I'm speaking them over you this morning. The Lord is your God. The Lord is your savior. The Lord is your rock. The Lord is your salvation. The Lord is the living God. The Lord is your stronghold. And so maybe there's someone here this morning where, yes, you've, you've just been deep in the emotional stuff. And this morning, you just need to lift your eyes and remember who your God is. That you need to look above and out of your situation for a moment and remember that actually he's the, the Lord that has been holding you together this far. That you need to remember and speak to yourself and tell your soul to be still in the Lord, to put your hope back in him, to remind your soul to yet praise the Lord because he's worthy of your praise. And so because this God, he's your God, your savior, your rock and your salvation, the living God and your stronghold, you can confidently come to him and pray. Yes, we lament and we say, yes, Lord, it hurts, it's painful, but we can also bring a prayer to God where we say, hey, God, if it's in your will, would you do this for me? And this is what we see the psalmist doing in 43 verse 1. He actually now makes a prayer to God, having said what it is that he feels, having declared who God is to him, he then says, vindicate me, O God, and plead my cause against the unfaithful nation. Rescue me from those who are deceitful and wicked. You are God, my stronghold. Send me your light and your faithful care. Let, me, let them lead me and let them bring me to your holy mountain, to the place where you dwell. And maybe this is a prayer that someone this morning needs to make. Send me your light and your faithful care. The darkness is overwhelming, Lord. Send me your light. I feel unloved and cared for. Send me your faithful care. I feel lost and confused, Lord. Lead me. Bring me back to your holy place, to the place where you dwell. That's the place that we find healing. And so we can bring, we can confidently also pray and ask God to begin to just reset the posture of our hearts, to begin to bring light into the darkness that we are experiencing, to bring to give, to begin to give us the care that we need. Because sometimes when our emotions are so badly off, there's just a level of care that not even the closest friend can give. There's a kind of care that only God in his 
goodness, in his mercy and his grace, only he can deliver that kind of deep-seated peace that he's promised, uh, that he promised us before he left the earth. And finally, I want to challenge us to entrust ourselves to God. Our emotions, whether they be joy, peace on the one side, or anger, disappointment, frustration on the other side, as I was reflecting this week, I realized that actually our emotions are a gift of God's grace. Now, I know you're, you're probably thinking, how, how on earth could the pain I'm feeling, the disappointment and all those things be a gift of God, God's grace? But just bear with me for a minute. Now, on the one hand, the reason we are able to experience God and enjoy create, creation and see beauty and love and be loved is because we have emotions. We are not rocks, right? Now, imagine that our God in his goodness and his mercy created us in a way that we would not just live in his creation, but that we would actually enjoy it. He gave us feelings. He gave us emotions so that then we are able to actually be drawn to his beauty be drawn to love, be drawn even to him as our God, a gift of God's grace and mercy. Now imagine that, you know, God had created us emotionless and the way that we probably knew that we are in love or we were feeling joyful was that we grew an extra toe. Or, you know, you had a third ear when, you know, joy, you are, you know, full of joy and peace and love, how you knew that was happening is not because you felt anything or it had any feeling of any kind. It's just that there was a, a random ear that grew somewhere on your body. That would be sort of totally weird, right? But God has given us the gift of emotions so that we are able to feel and connect with him on such a deep and personal level that we are actually able to know him. We are able to experience him and have a relationship with him. That's a function of our emotions. Part of it is a, a function of our emotions. Now consider the other side of our emotions, our brokenness, the pain, and all those things that I've described. Now those things, the reason those exist is because I started by saying that we live in a fallen world. And those things make us aware every single day of the fallenness of the world that we live in. They, they help us appreciate the fact that the world is not a, a perfect place. There are problems, there are issues, there's a real enemy that wants to destroy us. And God has allowed us to be able to experience that because the only solution there is to the pain and brokenness that we experience in this world is actually Jesus, his son. And so our pain, our brokenness actually is supposed to be pointing us back to the perfect son of God. Because outside of him, then our brokenness, the pain that we experience on a daily basis is just actually meaningless and going absolutely nowhere. But God allows us in his grace to experience that so that we can be able to turn and say, it is you that we want. It is you that we seek, God. Would you come and sit with us in this place? And so would you entrust yourself to the Lord this morning? God speaks to us through our feelings by using them to draw us to himself. And this is where I want to land this message this morning. And if the band could just come up. 
As I've said, our emotions are a gift of God's grace that constantly are pointing us to our deep need and desire for God. And the fact that we have no capacity, even on our own, to deal with the emotions, the pain, the brokenness, and the things that life has to, you know, life throws around us. And granted, I'm not saying that there's absolutely nothing we can do except run to God. There's practical things that we can do. For example, for some of us, it might just, we might need a walk in nature that just helps to calm our hearts and to help us focus on the beauty of God and allow for him to minister to us in that way. For others of us, we might need to just get on an exercise routine where, you know, we start to induce those happy hormones that change, you know, the chemistry in our minds and we feel, we start to feel better. For others of us, we might just need to look at our diet, eat better, therefore sleep better, and be in a better place to be able to handle our emotions. For others of us, like Elijah, we might just need a snack and sleep. And that for a moment is just going to put us in a better place where we are able to actually deal with our emotions. For others of us, what we might need is an encouraging word from a friend. And we need to be able to actually say what it is that's happening so that friends can be able to move towards us in that space where we need, with, we need that encouragement. For others, dealing with sin and shame and guilt because of sin, a really practical thing to do would be to just repent of that sin and bring it to God and say, hey, would you wash this sin away? Would you take it? Because Jesus has already done what's needed for your sin to be forgiven this morning. Those are really practical things that we can do. But the thing is, as I said, all these things that I've just described are temporary things because they last until the next thing happens and we are in need of yet another encouragement. The exercise, you don't exercise once and then you're sorted for the rest of your life. We have to keep at it. But the thing I sense God calling us to do this morning is to actually refocus our gaze back on him. To realize that the reason there is emotional pain and brokenness is because we live in a fallen world but in Jesus Christ, he has done everything required for us to experience his peace, to know his deep love, and to know that we are fully loved and embraced by this God. And so I sense this morning that there's some of us here that God wants to reset our identities. Because our identities have been tied to the things that we've been through, the things that have been done to us or the things that we have done, or things that have been said to us, and we've embraced those emotions and the feelings that have come out of that as though they are who God said we are. And God this morning wants to remind someone here this morning that actually he has called you by, your, by name, that he calls you his precious child, and that he doesn't see you or even refer to you or label you by the things that you've been through or the emotions that you carry this morning. And so I just sense that God wants us to, yet again, keep our gaze on him. Because it is only in him that we can find the kind of peace that truly is peace. And peace that lasts. It's only in him that we can be set free, not just from the one thing that's paining us this morning, but free to live fully with him in this life and even in the life to come. Because Jesus paid the ultimate price that was needed to secure our redemption, our freedom, our peace. That's the kind of lasting peace that's God calling us to. And the thing is, for some of us this morning, the things we carry are so heavy, they are so 
complex that we may not even find an answer for them today, tomorrow, or even in this lifetime. And that's why God is saying to us this morning, come to me. I am the one that you need. You may not have your answer, but you have me and I'm bigger than the thing that's been burdening you. I'm bigger than even that answer that you seek. I am the answer. Would you come to me? And whatever it is that you need to do, if it is bringing, naming and bringing your emotions to the Lord, let's do that. If you need community, a loving group of people to come around you and give you a word of encouragement and pray with you, let's do that. But for all of us this morning, could we fix our gaze on Jesus and realize that the kind of hope and healing and redemption that he brings is one that endures for eternity.